The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Welcome to The Waiting Room, a Quantum Leap podcast. My name is Sai, and joining me as always here on SJP World Media to take a look at the life and times of Dr. Sam Beckett putting right what once went wrong is Mr. Benny Mack. How are we doing, my friend? I'm doing very well, Sai. Glad to hear that you're feeling better as well. Yeah, mostly, mate. Mostly. I'm still a bit bunged up and I'll, I'll apologise ahead of time to anyone listening. If I cough or splutter or sniff and don't manage to edit it out or tidy it up, I, I do apologise ahead of time. But I have been laid quite low this week with, I don't know what it is, I, I've had a bit of a cold, fluey kind of thing. And the pollen count is very high, which doesn't help me either because I'm allergic to pretty much bloody everything. Uh, that includes pollen, it seems. So I've been a bit sniffly and grotty this week, my friend. That's why I thought I'd mention it, just in case you do cough or, you know, snot on the microphone or something like that. Uh, <laughs> in this case, that. I'm, you know, I'm glad we're in separate rooms, to be honest. Uh, I don't yes. need that. <laughs> no, there we go. There we go. Oh, dear. Yes, it's not been good. It's not been good. It's caused a bit of a delay to various shows I've been doing and uh, chain wrestling that hasn't come out on time, which is a, a bit of a surprise. You know, 100 odd episodes, 106. No. I can't even remember how many it is. 116-odd episodes, something like that. And I've actually delayed releasing it for like five days for the for the first time in a while. So, yeah, not, not very proud of myself on that aspect. But back on the horse, back on the wagon, back with the headset on, ready to go, bud, ready to go. On an episode of Quantum Leap that our very first episode of The Waiting Room, I picked out as one I was really looking forward to covering, Benny. Aisha's know what you think, actually. And it's ironic that you've been poorly this week. And we're talking about an episode called Pool Hall Blues as well. So <laughs> it's, uh... there you go. <laughs> hey, we I'm are indeed. Chain wrestling, did you say you done? Uh, 100 and... 116, 117, something like that. I'm about to hit 50 within the corner. So I'm a bit behind you on that one. But uh, well done, man. <laughs> well, yeah, but still, 50 is a fantastic tally, you know. I mean, a lot of podcasts begin and. Uh, sort of die away after sort of 10 to 15 episodes or whatever it may well be i mean i've had a couple do that myself for various reasons i've, I've had co-hosts be um you know through, through no fault of anyone's really I, I had a show that me and my co-host were really enjoying doing and then they, they were struck down with uh, quite a devastating illness and it's affected their general life and it kind of just literally just grind recordings to a halt hopefully at some point that'll come back but yeah it's, it's nice to see that in the corner is going so well and various other shows are going so well on the network as well my friend yeah yeah and it's good to be getting this with the we are episode 18 of quantum leap mate we are getting ever so close to finishing season two of this uh this uh cult classic show we are we are and there's some great episodes left in this series as well even though there's not many there is some great episodes left in that final few so looking forward to getting yeah. through to those but before we hit those, we have Paul Hall Blues. Sam leaps into the 4th of September, 1954, the year my dad was born, interestingly enough. And he is 
uh, basically taking over the life and body of Charlie Walters, otherwise known as Black Magic, who was uh, a fictional, well-known, um, well-established pool-playing legend, apparently. And the whole gist of this episode is his granddaughter, that being Black Magic Walters, his granddaughter has the the property which is a pool hall at the moment that she wishes to convert into a uh, a blues club and there's a lot of lounge singing going on throughout the episode in this uh, this facility and to do that she has took out a bit of a shady loan and that loan needs paying but not paying to the original loan shark anymore because there is somebody who's a bit sinister and a bit nasty named Eddie Davis, who has bought the stake in the loan. He has bought the loan from the original loan shark. So he basically has one over on Violet and so on. And the marker, the the payment is due in a couple of days time. And Sam is there to effectively make sure that she doesn't lose the pool hall. So that's the basic gist of the situation, Benny, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, Al knows the person Sam has leapt into. <laughs> uh, of course he does. <laughs> um, it, well, again, I remember the gist of it. I remember, like I think I said last week, with the the grid they put on the pool hall, you know, on the table for Sam to play. Yes, uh, I remember that clearly. Uh, but uh, some of the other stuff I didn't quite remember, and to, uh, why he was trying to save it. So I wouldn't say it was a complete fresh start for me to see this episode again, but. You know, there was a lot I didn't remember. But as I went on through the episode, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, as that kind of happened. So, um, but yeah, the, the one little thing I, wanna, I know we haven't quite got into the story yet, but I want to sort of skip to, to this at the moment is when Al reappears fairly quickly in this episode, to be fair. compared Yeah, to what, he does, yeah. Um, is that he makes a comment of, I couldn't believe it was magic in the waiting room when I saw him. Now, again... We haven't reached this episode yet, but we know when Sam leaps into somebody, he has the aura or the presence of the person he's leapt into. And when the person's in the waiting room, no pun intended for the show, but he has the aura of Sam. So he almost trade places, but just internally. So when he makes the comment, when I saw him, I couldn't believe my eyes. I'm like, but surely he looks like Sam still. So they mm. obviously, they at this point, they haven't, figured out how the waiting room works i guess okay okay yeah i didn't even pick up on that no it's a little there's only a little thing but obviously the show we're doing right now is called the waiting room so you know i know as we go through the show we're learning about things in the door opening and that's how walking into the imaging chamber and all that kind of stuff again i am fast forwarding through into one of the other seasons but because my memory is of when the person is not in their own body they're in sam's body and they look like sam so when he said that line of when I, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw magic and I'm like, what? It, it mm. took me out of it. It not took me out of it, but it was kind of like, a wait a minute. I thought they looked like Sam, but obviously we haven't reached that yet. So, you know, the rules haven't been established for that yet. Um, but I know, you know, it, 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 I'm not saying it annoyed me, but uh, it threw me a little bit. No, no, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Yeah, I, did, I didn't even pick up on that, but there we go. And uh, the, the big thing we need to remember with some of the aspects of the uh, the early parts of this episode is that um, Charlie Walters, Violet, his granddaughter, and uh, basically everyone in the uh, the cast uh, are, and that's all the the clientele of the pool hall 
are all um, black Americans and it's the fifties. So there's a certain mindset in that kind of situation and in these kind of areas. Yes. The, the initial scene when Sam first leaps in, I got quite a kick out of because quite often Sam will leap in and obviously doesn't know what's going on. Takes him a little while to figure things out. Sometimes he can be a bit Swiss cheesed as well and, you know, struggles with conversations or he just looks very confused here. I think Sam gets his wits about him quite quickly. And I liked this because he's effectively playing a game of pool and there's money exchanging hands and and so on. There's various um, sums and fees being passed around with regards to gambling on certain shots before eventually the, the, the person that Sam is playing against is informed of who he is playing. And this is by, uh, Oh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Brady. Grady, yes, he, he basically explains Jimmy, Jimmy Grady, quite possibly my favourite character in this whole episode, by the way, straight away. I'm going to say he's probably my favourite character. Okay, interesting. Uh, he, he turns to the opponent of um, Black Magic and says, son, do you know who you're playing? And purely because of this, Sam is able to turn around and almost act a little bit cocky in yeah. Black Magic's ability and excuse himself away from some of the, the, the actual pool activity that he, obviously Sam has no, no talent for. And it basically it says to the guy, you don't really want me to take your money, do you? So like the poker sort of bluffing type thing here. Yeah, it? and I thought it was really good. clever. I thought yeah, it was a really I, clever way of getting out of maybe quite a tricky scenario. Yeah, definitely. And uh, even to the point where he says, um, he got a Sam, because he's like, what he's obviously he was in a, about to take a shot but sam kind of leaps in and is like what am i doing okay paul's you know doesn't know what ball he's shooting at and he says it's he says it very like what ball was i shooting at and as if but it comes across like really like sarky as well because yeah. of magic is and like he's, he's an older gentleman as well um i would say in his twilight yeah why would you say he is in his 60s i would say yeah, I'd say I'd say mid sixties, maybe yeah. even older than that potentially. I mean, if you look at Violet, his granddaughter, she's of an age where she's able to. She she's bought this this venue, hasn't she? she she's not renting it; she's bought it. She's she's got yeah. the money to convert it and so on. So, you think licensing laws in the states? Twenty one is the legal drinking age. So that's his granddaughter. So I would place him probably probably maybe even in the seventies. Yeah, I would. I think she. I get the feeling she was probably in her late twenties, early thirties. I would say, give or take, uh, you know, maybe twenty-eight. I would say she is. Okay. Um. So, but yeah, the fact that she's had to, well, she's converted a whole, an old pool hall, hasn't she, into into mm-hmm. a news club? But it does still have a few tables in there because her grandfather Magic, who Sam's leapt into, is obviously very much a um, <laughs> a very good pool player, basically. Um, been scamming his way across America by the sounds of it, in the sense of like, I'm not very good at the game, but actually, oh, I will, I'll bet, I'll bet 300. Or, you know, it's like that that typical, like, being hustled is maybe yes. not scammer. Hustled is probably a better word. Yeah, yeah, spot on. Um, we, we then, I suppose, have the conversation with Al, who fills in a lot of the blanks in this story very quickly about who Sam has leapt into. And Al explains that. He knew magic when he was younger. Uh, at 10 years of age, he ran away from the orphanage. 
and was basically living on the streets for a few days before he tried to pick someone's pocket to get some food or, or whatever. And it turned out to be Magic's pocket. And Magic then looked after Al for a period. Uh, they travelled around different pool halls, different parts of the country. Al says he even got to hold Alberta, which is Magic's cue, and even played a couple of shots with the cue. And it's uh, even Sam comments on how excited Al is about this scenario, doesn't he? Yeah. And I just want to say quickly, the queue is called Alberta, is named after Magic's late wife. So there's mm. also a very coincidence that when um, Magic apparently talks to Alberta quite a lot, so it's very convenient that uh, Al is called Al. So, you know, you can kind of get away with that to a degree. Um, and I do like the fact that um, apart from the... Al's quite um, tame in this one, to be fair, because it's apart from the... Um, men's room comment, and instead of going to the men's room, let's go to the women's. The women's. The, the, uh, I can't talk. The women's <laughs> restroom. Jeez. Yes. Um, so yeah, Al's quite actually. Well, well, when we get that that, because uh, we don't know much about Al at this point, it's hard to try and remember where we're at because I know the show, and we know the story of Al going forward, trying to like keep it within obviously the confines of this episode. But it's, I think it's maybe one of the first times we really get a sense of who Al is or was rather than just the womanizing lech <laughs> that he does come across as. Yeah, okay. Um, and a bit more of like, um, obviously, the fact that he came out of the orphanage. I think he may have mentioned that before in an episode. But we get a bit more like this is so you can kind of understand how Al is the way he is to a degree because of his upbringing. And obviously, we would learn more about that as we go along. And we did learn a bit, a lot, a big chunk of the the orphanage stuff in Jimmy, didn't we? Mm. So yeah. the fact that his sister was had Downs as well, and you know he went back for his sister at sixteen to get her out, and basically I think she just wasn't looked after. But it sounds based on how how Al tells the story from Jimmy, if you remember going back to that one. Mm-hmm. Um, in the archives, everyone go and check out our our, our, back, our back catalogue. But the fact that Al almost breaks down in tears telling that story in Jimmy. You, you know, and then hearing a bit more about when he ran away from the orphanage. So it was a bit of a tyke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And all that kind of stuff. But yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, I also know that we get literally in the very next episode, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but in the very next episode, Al also ran away from the orphanage to join the circus. So you're right, right when you say a bit of a tyke. <laughs> yeah. Didn't want to be um, where he was. He wanted to be, I think, ultimately, he wanted to be with his dad and. Your sister, didn't he? So he just did anything he could to not be in the orphanage, I guess. Yeah. But he was returned to the orphanage, sadly, when uh, Magic got busted, as he words it, as Al words it, sorry, for playing pool in a whites-only pool hall. So again, it very much, I suppose, puts you historically in in that era of and, and, and the atmosphere and what was going on in the world, or certain parts of the world, at least. Yeah. In the in the fifties, Benny, I suppose. Bit of a throwback to Jesse in the Color of Truth, really. Actually, the fact oh, yeah. that yeah. You know, um, obviously Jesse sat in a uh, in a, a whites only uh, diner or whatever it was, but it's, yeah, um, of its time, unfortunately. Um, yes, indeed. But we 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 do have that obviously that subject mentioned a little bit in this episode, but not it's not like thrown in our faces as much. Um, 
And also, there's a couple of mirror shots I quite like in this. Actually, we see a bit more of the actual person that Sam's leapt into. One of my favourite shots, I don't know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but it's when he's practising. Oh, yes. The game, and you have the, the mirror above the pool, you know, the, above the pool hall, and you have that shot down of him trying to take the shot, and it's the reflection of magic rather than Sam. And it's just, again, there's little clever little shots in this because it's a bar and stuff. You get a bit more of the person Sam's leapt into, mm. um, which you don't... Uh, you know, sometimes you only literally see the, the mirror image once, don't you, in some episodes? So mm. it was just, I don't know, it was just, well, I think this was just well done overall in terms of filming it and stuff and the, some of the clever, cleverer shots they did in this one. One thing we didn't get in this episode that seems to be a running theme in pretty much every other episode of Quantum Leap so far yeah. is the standard um, shot for the mums at home, Scott Bakula with his shirt off. But when he is practicing, and playing pool he has got a tiny little vest on i think that's the closest they get isn't it he managed to get a few you managed to get that in you managed to get him singing in this one as well um so you managed to get a little bit of you know when he was singing i was like so scott bacula doing the theater stuff but just on telly basically yeah <laughs> using that's his it um, <laughs> i say for the mums obviously because i uh i reference back to watching it with my mum and she used to have a little bit of a thing for scott bacula i think so Hey, well, we, 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 there's some stuff for the blokes as well, you know. Uh, Violet's not exactly a... <laughs> she's a bit of eye candy, to be fair. Well, there we go. There we go. Um, speaking of Violet, she has this money owed, formerly to where she got the loan from, and then somebody else bought the marker, which is the phrase they use for the loan and so on. And that person is Eddie Davis, uh, a local loan shark, pool shark, and just all-round bit of a nasty dude and he is effectively this week's bad guy i suppose benny isn't he he did remind me a little bit of the uh the guy in foyer virgin at first and i thought well, maybe they're related but they're not so but um he does have i just it's just one of those faces where you think i've seen him somewhere before and i did look back through his archive and imdb and i couldn't find anything that i'd seen so it okay. might just be me remembering him in quantum leap which is what happened you know has happened a few times watching this show back with you going yeah, him from somewhere or I know her from somewhere. Oh wait, it's quantum leap. That'd be why. Um, but yeah, he's a proper sort of, he's got that classic. You can tell he's a scumbag because as soon as he opens his mouth, you think scumbag, but he's got yes. that look of like, he's got the shirt and tie on. He looks, you know, he looks, you know, he's a good looking bloke or whatever, but like you can just tell when he starts talking that he's a slime ball. It's hard, to, mm. unless you've seen the episode, it's hard, you know, if you've seen the episode, which hopefully you have, you're, you, I think you might get what I'm on about. Um, but yeah, he's almost got that gangster thing going on as well with his like big heavy dude. Um, it's just, which ironically is this played by Ken Forey, but it's the, his name apparently in this episode is The Brush. I didn't know that was his name because you don't really hear it, I don't think. I don't think he was ever referred to as anything. No, was he? but according to the IMDb thing and the cast, obviously they have their, na- their real names and their character names. He's known as The Brush, which I don't get really why he's called that. Okay. Cleans his stuff up for him, I guess. He's, he's the muscle, isn't he, basically, with Eddie? Mm. Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely a bad guy, man. Um, yes. And I, I, I mean, I, I would say to paint the picture. You, you've got Eddie, like you said, in, in the, the shirt and tie and so on, which is kind of a common garb for these pool players at this time. And it's the 50s and the hats are there and, and so on. And I, I'd say he's probably, what, mid-30s at this point in, in his life, Eddie. He's obviously doing well for himself. He's got a bit of money. He's gambling with a lot of money. 
there's references to a, a flash car at one point, and he's obviously got his heavies around him as well, the brush, as you mentioned, Benny. So it's uh, he's obviously doing okay for himself, but it's just still a bit of a dirtbag, isn't he? He's gone out and bought the loan off somebody else purely to hold it over Violet and play a yeah. game magic, basically, as well. And yeah. also, they were also referred to him as having a crush on Violet. So it's more that, one, he's a slimy guy, so she's like, no, stay away from me, because she doesn't want any of that BS. But he's used his money to buy a loan so he can hold it over her head. And now she owes him the money and also wants to play Magic Kapoor just to beat him. So mm. that's the kind of person you're dealing with, basically. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Uh, we also have the added, I suppose, thread throughout the story that Magic's eyes are going because he's a, he's a gentleman of a certain age, of course. So that affects his pool playing abilities. But luckily, Sam's eyes are not going. So in theory, it won't affect any pool playing abilities. The downside is Sam has absolutely fucking zero pool playing abilities. He doesn't even know how to hold a cue. So it's not exactly a straightforward mission for, for Dr. Beckett this week, is it, Benny? No, uh, he's also, you know, you can kind of say, well, how the hell does he not know how to play how to play pool or whatever? But he's like a kid prodigy, isn't he? He's like, he's mm. you know, gone to college uh, at a young age. He's got a, like the mind of a, that comes along in once in a generation or whatever. So if he's at school that young and then going on to all these doctorates and stuff that he supposedly has, you know, you, I can't see him being a bit much of a, what they call it, a barfly. So yeah. him pool, it's not a stretch for me to think that Sam can't play pool, you know? No, no, no. We've all probably played pool or snooker at some point in our lives to a degree, but not everybody has. But with Sam's background, I, I can see him spending more time in libraries and reading and nothing wrong with that at all. But because he is this clever person, he's not going to be in bars very much, I don't think. so. Well, there is that. And there's also, as well, I think uh, it's easy to sort of assume that anyone who, who hung around in bars played pool. Um, no, first that, first of all, I, I did. I did. I, I spent many years, many of my teenage years, and then into my 20s, but especially my, my teenage years, college, and well, I say college, I was, I've always been quite tall, so I was lucky enough to be able to sneak into certain bars at you know, <laughs> sort of 15 or whatever. I spent many, many, many weekends and evenings from the age of 15 onwards in a pool hall in Gloucester, and there was a certain pub we used to go and play pool as well. Um, against those bikers used to drink at this one pub and I used to play pool against them and, and with them and we got quite friendly and, and so on. I played a lot of pool, but that was just something I enjoyed. My dad on the other side, on the other hand, apologies, he spent, when he was doing certain jobs back in the 70s and, and the 80s, he would spend, you know, a couple of nights a week in the pub with my granddad, who, who like, passed away many, many years ago, but my dad would never play pool because darts was his game. So he would always, my dad would smash anyone I know effectively at darts. But yeah. if you gave him a pool cue, he probably wouldn't know which end to use. So I suppose it's just also what you sort of levitate to as a person as well, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. And that's a fair way of putting it to be honest. But like I said, I don't, you know, some people will go, Oh, what? He can't play pool. What the hell? But actually yeah. it, it, it does happen. I mean, I, I know, I know, I know this is completely, just to prove my point, really, I guess, is like I listen to a lot of music. I like a lot of bands and I know you do as well, Si, and other people do. But I have met people in my life that don't listen to music or not to the point where they're like 
you know, the radio's on, but they don't really pay attention necessarily to bands or, uh, you know, artists or pop artists or whatever, you know? So I met one lad years ago who didn't listen to music really at all. And it's just weird to me because I've always grown up with it. So, yeah. <laughs> so we yeah. had a little discussion about something. So we're going to go off a little tangent now, but we'll bring it back quickly. <laughs> so we don't overrun. We had a little discussion about this on chain wrestling the other night, Magsy and I, when you have somebody turn around and say, I don't like music. Shut up, you knob. Of course, you like yeah, some... Yeah. Of you do, that, yeah. that sort of statement is ridiculous, but we do have yeah. people who say it, don't you? Of course, yeah. And of each their own. So, yeah, it's not a stretch. Even though to some people it might seem like a stretch that Sam doesn't know how to play pool, but it, it is possible. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, Sam wakes up the next day very much inspired and lively and so on because he's got an idea and as he uh, enters the pool hall we see violet taking down the lamp above a very old-fashioned lamp a pool table lamp very old dirty uh even for 54 it looks like it needs upgrading yeah. and grady arrives as well magic's um i suppose best friend i guess and number one fan i would also say yeah, as definitely. well the fact, the facts, man, isn't he? he knows where yes. Magic has played, how many balls he's sunk, and who he played, and who he beat, and yeah, he knows all the stories, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he's a, a a big fan of Magic, definitely. Yeah, and they they as they convince Violet to not change the lamp because that's the lamp of Magic's own personal table, and it's got a lot of history and so on. Uh, Sam shares his his plan and i'm i'm going to prefix this with a little explanation before we go in any further first of all i enjoyed this episode and my my marking at the end is going to uh back that up when we get there so as we talk through the basic plot and the gist of what goes on there are going to be some moments where i point out they're pretty bloody silly or, or pretty daft or pretty stupid and it's just me now as a grown-up watching this program back that I first saw as a child and wouldn't have noticed them. So even if I nitpick and point out things that were a bit a bit daft, a bit silly, or a bit or just not very realistic, that doesn't mean I'm I'm slating the episode because I really did enjoy yeah. this. Well, but, mate, at the beginning I said about Al saying when he saw magic in the waiting room, knowing the lore of the the show and how actually how leaping works and stuff based on how they've structured it in future episodes that comment by al didn't make any sense to me yeah, yeah you know? fair enough uh sam says we'll go to the bank and just ask for a loan now they already explain they being grady and violet they've already tried the bank and it didn't happen and they are and al is there as well and they are all literally saying to sam this is not going to work. And the fact that Sam's even suggested it to me is a bit daft because this is 1954. She is a single woman, a single black lady for a start. And in 54, that was an issue. And, you know, she's never going to get given a bank loan. Never in a million years can I get given a bank loan. And the fact that they've already tried and it's been turned down. But Sam seems to think, ah, it's all right. We'll just nip across to the bank and sort it out. Be done in 10 minutes. It just came across as a bit naive and a bit daft. But then he's got the modern brain in his head in a sense of how are you supposed to treat people? And it doesn't matter whether you're black, white, fat, thin. Whatever. No, of course. She, and, to his and, logic, and, it is very much, she has opened this business. 
it's it's busy in there. It's making money. So why wouldn't the bank see in his head? Why wouldn't the bank see this as a sound investment? But as you said, it is in fifty four. Um, you can even forget about the fact that she's a a black lady. She's literally a woman in fifty four owning a business, which yes. I'm not saying didn't happen, but it was very much like almost well impossible to do. I would assume in in the fifties, I guess to a degree. Mm. Then adding the black that she's you know African American or uh, whatever the politically correct term is. <laughs> yeah, no, no, totally. It's going to be so. You know, it, it's it's sort of a, a every step of the way. It's a bit more unrealistic or unlikely that this this loan is going to get accepted. And the fact that then they turn around and go, we've already tried that. And Sam's like, it's all right. We'll go do it now. The day before the money is owed to them, it just—it's just a bit. I appreciate it's there yeah. for the story. I mean, the first time I watched it, it wouldn't have bothered me at all. But now, as I'm a bit older and I'm a bit more, I suppose, um, more realistic in my thinking, I just thought to myself, "Yeah, that's a bit silly." But okay. Yeah, but even if you did get it, you're not going—you're not going to have it the next day, are you? You know, no, no. probably a week or so for the money. Um, although, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I like that they did this because of what the conversation led to, which we all know, even if you've probably not seen this episode, which I'm sure you have, but it's going to be, it's going to be led to a no, isn't it? Cause obviously it's building up to this pool game is what, you know, very much you can yeah. tell that from the, or the moment that you watch this episode, but the conversation Sam has with the fella who is, uh, the first black, uh, loan officer for this bank, the fact that what I Mr. love, Griffin. Yes, what Sam says to him about yes, it was. So I'll, I'll, I've jumped ahead a bit. So they they go to the bank. They try. Of course, uh, his granddaughter says, "Yeah, I want to take the loan out to pay off another loan." Basically, which is not a good sign. Obviously, well, this is this is going to be one of. Sorry to interrupt, Benny, but this is oh, going to okay. be another another one of my little nitpicks, shall we say, my my tiny little issues with this episode. Yeah. Um, first of all that they've gone there and they're asking for this loan and even before they've walked in, walked into the actual office at the back to see Mr. Griffin, you're getting a negative reaction from the receptionist and so on. When they get in there and they sit down and they start talking about money and the loans and, and, and the potential, they then bring up the fact that they need the loan to pay off another loan. That's never going to be good. I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have said that. Would you? Right. Exactly. This is then followed up by Sam and Violet talking to a bank manager or, or a loan clerk or however whatever the guy's title may well be. Mr. Griffin is, is his type is his name. They then try and back this up or explain it away by saying, Oh, it's been packed in there for a month. It's okay, it's been packed for a month. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a new bar. These things happen. And uh, the the bank manager is, I think, really good here. Because he explains it. But before we get into the whole race issues and talking about how um, he had to go through a great deal of incredibly unfair and horrific uh, treatment to get into his position in a sort of white person dominated field in 54. He is actually doing his job very well because he's saying, yeah. well, first of all, it's been packed for a month or, or you're telling me it's packed and doing really well and you're making loads of money. And they're all like, yeah. And he goes, so why do you need a loan? Yeah, and yeah. That's spot on. Why? Yeah. yeah. And, and then to turn... Why don't they have any paperwork with them to prove, like, their receipts of... Exactly. If you were, you know, I know it's a TV show, but, like, if you're trying to desperately get money to 
improve the area so you can you know maybe have more tables or whatever you're doing you know you, yes. you got a business plan you got to have proof of money coming in and all this kind of stuff and so for them to i think the more you've explained it it makes sense because how are you going to get that kind of money again we don't know the figure we assume it's quite a lot because she's converted this old pool hall into a like a blues club so mm-hmm. it's not going to be like 10 bucks is it it's going to be quite a hefty amount of money for the time which i'm you know i don't know what that is <laughs> well it basically it basically equates to the ownership of the bar doesn't it but the marker is effectively yeah. the ownership yeah. of the bar. Basically, if it issue yeah. defaults on it, it's going to be uh, he, uh, Eddie will own the bar. But we also get the 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 side. Uh, I suppose a bit more of a realistic. In any era, this is by the way. I'm not just talking the fifties or modern day. In any era, a pool hall, a music venue, or a, a pub in general, a bar in, in America in general, are not good investments because it can be super crazy popular and make a shit ton of money and be the place to be every night of the week for a month two months six months a year because it's a trend isn't it somewhere else opens two doors down all of a sudden not so that's much. the new place to be yeah they might charge a dollar less for beer or something like that and exactly so it's just not it's just not practical sam dragging this poor girl into this office and and going through that i'll file it under nice try but <laughs> that's about it, really, so yeah fair enough fair enough uh i mean you wanted to talk about uh sam having the conversation with the banker didn't you it was you know but now that you've laid it out like that you know that he is laying it out um again what they what they what were they expecting to get a loan there and then no because you need to prove you know the business you know and it is busy we saw that and we see that going forward as well but like you said, it doesn't necessarily mean. It's basically, you say not a sound investment. But mm. Maybe actually, then be. I mean, I do like the way Sam said what he said to him. But actually, now I feel a bit bad for the guy because of how you've explained it. It makes a lot more sense. Um, oh, don't get me wrong. What, what Sam says to him is brilliant. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I'm going to paraphrase. I can't remember exactly what he said. And I did have it in front of me, but I've lost it. But basically, you know, yes, it was hard for you to get where you are. Um, yes, it was a struggle. You got to work twice as hard as everybody else, even though. You know, he does say that other people got promoted ahead of me, even though based on my work and all this stuff. But Sam basically saying, you're a pioneer. You've got to, you know, maybe pass the the baton back a little bit to help others. Okay, Sam and, uh, and his, you know, the granddaughter is probably not, Violet, sorry, he's not, probably not gone the right way about it. But what Sam says to him by helping others, because yes, you struggled doesn't mean you should have other people behind you struggling as well. If anything, you should reach a hand back and help pull them up with you. So I yes. like this kind of speech, but um, it was a nice speech. But yeah, now after you've explained the way it all panned out, um, I can understand, you know, you've, you've taken no proof of anything, you know, at least not what we saw. So this is <laughs> trying, it. trying to get a loan. It's not Wonga. And they closed down for a reason. So <laughs> exactly. I, I think it was so along the lines of uh, you've already made it, but being the first means you have a responsibility to those trying to make it behind you or, or words to that effect, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a lot better. Yeah, that's pretty much what he said. That's a lot better than what I tried to. Yeah, so, uh, and, and Sam's right. Sam's right. But at the same time, what does he expect this guy to do? Turn around and go, I'll bugger it. All right, then, fine. I, I know. 40 grand it, or whatever it is. Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. And yeah, I'm probably yeah. going to lose my job. But here you go. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he probably would, wouldn't he, actually, to be fair? You've, you've invested in a in a bar, but it wouldn't be ultimately his decision. He'd have to present their case 
to a loan committee anyway. So it's yes. not going to happen the next day, is it? <laughs> but also, how will it look? And uh, I've got to be very careful with my word selection here or my phrasing because I don't want to appear um, in, in any way uh, racist or anything like that. But how would it look? Place yourself in 54. How would it look if the first and only black uh, bank clerk in that branch, who by his admission has put up with a lot of grief, a lot of crap, and um, uh, he has had to pretend that he dis- doesn't hear all the N-word jokes, and that word is used in the version of the show that I saw on DVD today, which was a bit of a bolt out of the blue. That was quite a... It was, a, uh, I watched it on Now TV, and it was cut out. He did say right. it, they blanked it, so you could, so, but again, I've watched it on DVD, so I knew. Yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of a jolt for me, hearing that come out on my television, because it's obviously, you know, and, and rightfully so, a, a term that should not be uh, yeah. broadcastable, but he, he makes a really good point of I've I've gone through all this to get to where I am, and he's trying to look after his family in a very hard time as well. There was not a lot of money anywhere in the fifties. We're talking fifty four. This is nine years after the end of the Second World War. Nowhere has money. Nowhere. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, and he's worked his backside off to get into a position in a respectable job where he can support his family uh, and so on. He then goes to this loan committee. Where in, in a workplace where he's been openly mocked and called names and so on, and seen people, by his own admission, uh, promoted ahead of him which didn't deserve it, purely because of skin colour. And then one of the first things he does is put forward a dodgy-looking loan to pay off another loan. Yeah, it's not good, is it? To somebody else who is black. In that time and that mind space, he's going to get frowned upon by his peers. Even if he said yes to them in that, like I said, they wouldn't have the money straight away. And to to get it past the committee, it wouldn't because you're using a loan to pay off a loan. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, I'm talking. Yeah, you're 100 percent correct. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm talking the repercussions on the bank clerk himself no, no, mean, yeah, for no. even suggesting it to the loan committee. Yeah, yeah. He probably which did. are going to be, which are going to be, let's be honest, a collection of white faces staring back at him. Yeah, more than likely. So well, yeah, that, to be fair. Effectively, in this little, well, I say little, it's gone on a while, but in this discussion that we're having right now, it's a case of, come on, Sam, think it through, pal. <laughs> like I said, we'll file end a nice try. Um, yes. Pay a loan off for another loan? No. Yeah. It wouldn't yeah. happen today, <laughs> regardless of anything, because it, and then again, you need to provide a business plan. Uh, mm. You know, going forward in, you know, even what you've been making the last couple of months or whatever to you know yeah <laughs> yeah moving on yes there we go moving on to something that it, it, it was something that never really i never really noticed when i watched this when i was younger or when i've watched it back in the past but one particular line that now as a grown-up and with kids and daughters and so on one particular line that made me feel horrid and gross uh Violet basically says she has another option. I'm going to have to give Eddie what he wants. To which Sam asks what that is. And she responds, I'm going to give Eddie what he's been after since I was 13. 13? Yeah. Come on. Is this, yeah. So is this guy not just a loan shark? He's a nonce as well. 
he just yeah he's like i said he's he's a slime war isn't he basically so there we go really i mean the character of eddie is obviously older than the character of violet as well so we could argue the point that potentially (laughs) he would have been i want to say probably about 17 when she was 13 i want to say there's about a four to five year difference between them maybe a tad more it's not a good look mate is it it's not no Oh dear. But then we get to the, the next scene and Violet has effectively jazzed herself up. She's she's dressed up in a in a in a in a dress and had her hair done and she's gone into the pool hall and is um it's to watch though, is as pretty as she looks, what she's aiming to do there is cringy. Like, yeah, but she's so desperate for this business to work and it's her dream. It, 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 don't get me wrong, I'm completely agreeing with you. It's horrific that she has to even consider this as an option. I mean, giving herself to this horrific guy to get this debt paid. I, I, I'm completely with you. It's gross. But on the other side of the coin, I suppose it shows how committed she is to this and how important this is to her. Yeah, no, I get that. I know the bar is important, but also I have this considering the way, obviously we'll get there, but considering the way the character is of uh, Eddie, even if he got what he wanted and she went through with it, I think still he would hold that debt over her. So yes. he'd get him what he wanted, basically. Um, so why even my my logic is why even go there? But you know, like you said, she wants to keep this bar going. It's a dream. It's hers as well. In the in fifty four, you know. So fair play to her. <laughs> mm. But yeah, to that's, again, that's how important the bar is to her. I suppose. Yes, indeed. Like said. Uh, Sam puts a stop to this though. Um, it's uh, Grady, I want to say. I keep forgetting the guy's name. Uh, yeah, Grady. Uh, yes, Grady, yes. Uh, Jimmy Grady. Yes. To be f- to be fair, so they call him Grady throughout the entire episode. The only reason I know his name is Jimmy is because it's on the IMDb thing. Because I think right. that's... Okay. I'll mention why you brought him up quickly before we get into that. I Again, I, he's one of these actors I recognised. But again, a like, bit like last week. Uh, I think it was last, not last. Yeah, last week. Uh, maybe the episode before, but Jimmy Grady, aka um, you know the actor Teddy Wilson, who plays him, I was like, I know you from somewhere. Look through his IMDb. Turns out he does. He has done another episode of Quantum Leap. Okay. And he's gonna. We'll be. We'll be seeing him again in season three, episode nine, Rebel Without a Clue. So, which oh, is actually yeah. quite a good episode, if I remember yes. right. So we're far off. We're not that far away from that one now, really. But yeah, another actor that's reappeared as another character in Quantum Leap, basically. So, uh, I couldn't see anything that I've seen him in other than Quantum Leap. So, again, I'm not saying he hasn't done stuff. I'm just going it based on my own, you know, back catalogue of shows I've seen over the years (laughs) since I've been alive. So, I was like, I I know you from somewhere. And again, it's from (laughs) Quantum Leap, but in another episode. (laughs) So, there we go. Yeah, Uh, he's he's a really interesting character for me because he's this kind of... I don't want to be rude, but he does come across kind of simple at times. I think there's elements of that, but I think that's because maybe of this, he's got a speech impediment, hasn't he? Um, mm. so maybe that's why, I don't know. But um, he's very much Magic's sort of wingman, isn't he, essentially? Or, you know, big fan, as we've said, you know. But he's, he's, uh, he's fantastic, isn't he? He's really good. He's a, lo- he's a loyal character, basically, and I, I quite like him, to be fair. 
almost from the moment you meet him, actually, I, I kind of like him, although he is big and up magic and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I quite, I quite liked him. I don't know whether it's the actor or the way he played uh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Grady. Um, I have no idea, but yeah. So now that I'm thinking about it, I remember when I saw him in the episode, we'll see him in, in I don't want to go too much into it, but what, it's in season three, which we'll get to, but I remember seeing him in that and he didn't have the stutter. And I thought, oh, and not realizing when I was younger that it's the same actor, but different characters. <laughs> uh, okay. So it was weird to see him without the stutter, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I get you. I get yeah. you. Okay. okay, we'll get to it, but. I mean, in, the guy who played him, Teddy Wilson, I'm just looking now, it, at this point when he played Grady, was only 46. Was he? I thought he was a, I'm not, I don't want to diss him, but I, I thought he was a bit older than that, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, he looks like he should be in his, no, he's, he's a friend of Magic's, so he's a man yeah. of that similar age. And he actually uh, died in 1991, only a year or so after this aired, at 47 years of age pretty crazy isn't it but hang on he was wait he died in oh yeah 1991 when did this air then 1990 but he definitely he made it into season he made it into the next season which was like quite early on yeah so, that probably yeah, would yeah. have been filmed whilst this was airing yeah, or, yeah, there or thereabouts i suppose yeah. so oh man uh, but it was a shame yeah there we go i didn't see that actually when i because uh, i looked through their back catalogue of uh, stuff to see if I'd see him in anything else. Um, he's been in some. He was in some great shows. Uh, he's in Dallas, which is a big American soap, wasn't it? Yes, yes. In Wings as well, which I know is a big show. Wings, uh, bloody hell! The Twilight Zone for an episode in 1985. Um, so Sanford and Son. <laughs> he was in Sanford and Son. That doesn't surprise me. Okay. Um, the Waltons. Oh God, he's he's done. He did so much. And Mash. Was he Mash? In? Yeah. Warrant Officer Martin Williams. I never really watched MASH because it's 1974 before my time, obviously, and before yours. So whether you've watched it in reruns, I don't know. I've seen, I've seen MASH, yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. seen MASH. Horrible ending. I get the feeling that MASH was more like a uh, like an American sort of show, if that makes oh, sense. Yeah. It is an American show, I get that. But what I mean is it didn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily as popular over here that it was over there, is what I mean. Um, yeah, it was, um, it was hugely, hugely popular in the States. Uh, and it was it was a comedy set at I, I don't know if it was the vietnam war i think it was was it vietnam i have no idea so it might have been vietnam and it, yeah it's um the, the last episode or two when the troops are leaving and that they're, or they're trying to sneak out there's one scene in particular that i remember watching as a very very uh, young child that still to this day traumatizes me which if people haven't um, haven't seen mash then then fair enough but go if go go check it out it, it is quite funny in places but the last scene is quite quite disturbing i'll tell you about it off air benny but there we go fair enough uh, it says korean war on the korean war okay there we go yes uh, that's fair enough yeah I, to be honest i would have said vietnam but obviously i would have been wrong as well because i've never seen the show so <laughs> well i suppose date wise it would have made sense because um mash aired in the mid 70s yeah, Vietnam would have been very close to that, so yeah, yeah, yeah so, probably too close to have made a comedy about. I would guess. So. I would assume so. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, Sam puts a stop to all of this, though, with Violet kind of um, trying to, shall we say, persuade Eddie to drop the loan via other means, and the 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 the, the match is set. the The pool game is set for the following night. So this gives Sam a day to practice. And we see straight away that he 
pretty much stinks the place up when it comes to Paul. He's not very good whatsoever. Uh, Al is trying to teach him. And this is something else that I, I wasn't particularly fond of now as a grown-up looking back who's played a, I wouldn't say a lot of Paul, but played a, a substantial amount of Paul myself. He's going to try and teach him in one night. That You can't do that. I know at the time they haven't got many options, but I was just a bit like, yeah, okay. But there we go. And and then we get Sam having a bit of a sing-song, Benny, don't we? Yeah, he goes and speaks to, you know, Al says, you know, she looks a bit lonely. She's playing piano. Then um, I'm assuming Magic doesn't know how to play piano. I don't know. Um, because, well, this was another point I was going to make, but go on. Yeah, but well, so, you know, they start talking about she's worried and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously she doesn't want to lose the bar, and you know, which we've already kind of covered. Um and then they sort of break into a song, basically, and it's a good. And you know, we all know Scott Bakula can sing at this point. Um, and and to be fair, um, Violet, assuming it's her voice, actually we hear she can sing really well as well. So it's yeah, quite yeah. Good, to be fair, it was a nice little moment. Um, I'll tell you what, it's spot on there. It was very nice because normally, if I'm watching a TV show, I, I, I don't like musicals or anything like that, or anything like that. But if I'm watching a TV show and we get a random song thrown in. I roll my eyes and think, oh, for God's sake, this isn't what I signed yeah, up for. Yeah, I know what you mean. Right, But here, didn't bother me at all. I think it fit perfectly. Yeah. But I, I can't, you know, normally, like you said, I'm, I mean, I'm not averse to a musical occasionally. I'm not, it's not something I seek out, but it's not something, if it's a good enough story, I won't send it off either. Um, but it's not something I seek out. I mean, don't get me wrong. I took my mum to see Mamma Mia too. I hated every freaking second of it, to be honest. <laughs> but it wasn't about me. It was about her. So, but, um, you know, as a kid, apparently Greece was on in my house quite a lot. My mum, and mine, yeah, and mine. So you know, um, I know quite a few songs from that film. Unfortunately, I think everyone does, my friend. Yeah. And, you know, my sister, my wife, every everyone I know as well talk, says the same. It's played all the time in their house. So. Then you know, as a kid, and even to this day, I will die on this hill. And I'm talking about the animated version here. Lion King was a big film when I was a kid, and I still remember the songs the you know i watched it with my daughter and stuff like that um we absolutely loved it and then me and my mates will make random comments when we're playing online and stuff about it and we're laughing at it because it's still funny the hyenas to this day still make me laugh hard so um and then obviously there's jokes in that now as an adult that i didn't get when i was a kid so that adds to it a bit bit like the simpsons in a way in terms of the jokes you wouldn't have got when you were younger yeah yeah um, and then also, I know it's not technically a musical, but South Park the movie has some great songs in it, and we laugh our asses off of that. And there's a particular one that's obviously quite popular, which I'm not going to repeat. But you know, um, one of the songs uh, we were talking about the other day, funnily enough, and one of the songs we liked, my mate liked, in it is the uh, when the devil's singing about going up there, coming to earth, and all that, and it's quite funny. Um, what will Brian Boitano do is still one of my favourite songs in that film. <laughs> so again, I'm not like necessarily musical musical, but I think there are times where it's it fits is what I'm getting at. And this was one of those times where this song just fit for some reason. You couldn't yeah. even it didn't build up to it in a sense of like, oh, we're gonna have a song in a minute. Because in a musical, you can tell when a song's about to start, can't you? Do you know what I mean? Or even like mm. line, whatever. With this, it just happened. But again, it helps that the duet was really good by both actors. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, after this, we, we get a bit more of Al talking to Sam about the possibility of playing pool against this incredibly talented pool player he has to defeat tomorrow night. And uh, 
Al says the line, I wish there was some way I could just draw it out for you. And it's a very cheesy moment. But again, you like the song. It didn't bother me at all. I almost loved how cheesy this was. Yeah. Al and Sam both look at each other and go, hang on a minute. Uh, minute. Boom. A bit silly, a bit cheesy, but I still loved it. You know what, though? It looked really good for the 90s. I like I don't think it like sometimes when you watch older TV shows and they use a like I don't know what I'm trying to think of off the top of my head but sometimes when they do like blue screen or whatever they do I mean this I think would have been drawn on after but right the sound effect the glow of it I thought it was really good the light in the uh, the cue ball even though yes. that's practical but you know when you watch older films sometimes and it's of its time um the graphics or the CG or the special effects is probably a better way of saying it. Don't age well. Whereas this doesn't look out of place. Wouldn't look out of place in modern times. I don't think. No, so I think you're right. Yeah. So it looked really good. Whereas we've had in this series in quantum leap alone in the very first episode with them flying the planes and the grainy shots of the planes flying and stuff like that hasn't aged well. Whereas this, I was, because I was like, how do they, how do they get to the drawing of the, on the, on the table, you know, of the, where Sam can hit the ball and stuff and where to hit it off the cushion and all this kind of stuff. I was like, how do they get to that? And then it just, it is like you said, it's, it's, it's a little bit cheesy, but it's, it's almost like a Eureka moment in Al's brain. Yes. Somehow yes. Sam and Al think the same thing at the same time, which is a bit more confusing with Sam because he's supposed to be Swiss cheese, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll nice try. We'll move on. <laughs> yeah. Effectively, uh, Al uses Ziggy and the handlink to project the image of the lines where Sam needs to play the ball and where to hit the cue ball and so on. Again, as somebody who has played pool, I know that's not a hundred percent going to work, especially if you're playing somebody like Eddie, who is obviously a very talented pool player, because you're talking spin and feel and pace, and you can't learn all that in a couple of hours. But yeah. for the sake of the story, it still works wonderfully. And we have these blue lines, almost like almost like playing a, a pool game on your phone or a home computer. And you can draw the line of where you're going to hit the cue ball. Yeah, and you can see where the cue ball is going to bounce yes. and where it's going to go type thing. So, yeah, no, yes. it's pretty good. Uh, and that sort of leads to Sam then being able to make a few shots in practice. And we then go to the game. Yeah, Benny, we, we get to the game very quickly after that. I thought there was yes. a bit more of a montage of him practicing but we didn't get that at all and the oh we get our montage soon we get our montage soon <laughs> with the, the cheesy slow walk in by the way like they're revealing themselves for the big game was, uh, <laughs> was a yeah cheesy um and, but the music did it justice and the music in this whole episode by the way again 50s you know and the music and stuff that's in it again i don't know all the songs or anything but the, it just fits this whole atmosphere whether it be just the incidental music or an actual song Mm-hmm. It just fit in this episode perfectly. Nothing felt out of place, really. Yeah, spot on, mate. Spot on. Um, we have the the lag shot to decide who's going to break. Sam, I have Matt. never done that before. I have played. Oh, ball. not really. Never done a lag shot before. I didn't know what they were doing, to be honest with you. And again, I remember the episode as a as an overall story for most of it. But this bit, I didn't. I so I didn't really understand it, to be honest. With you. But I guess it's based on. Who, when it bounces back and whose goes the least rather than the furthest, is it? I don't. You, you got to bounce it off the bottom cushion. Okay. Uh, yeah. You, if basically, you, you're hitting from the um, the bolt line, and you got to bounce off the bottom cushion, bounce off the top cushion, but stay as close to the top cushion as you possibly can. Oh, okay. So hence why Sam won the 
Wasn't yes. Okay, yes. okay. I'd never, I've never seen that done. We used to flip a coin, <laughs> basically. And then whoever went first didn't go first next time. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the game is best of seven. or Sorry, first two seven, not best of. But, uh, first two seven. And they're playing nine ball because this is Magic's game. Lucky man's uh, game. I like this. It's exactly. It's up. a lucky man's game, apparently. Um, Sam breaks and pots the nine ball straight off the break. So he has won the first frame with, with one sweep of his cue, effectively. Yeah. And I love, by the, I know we're going, you've gone past it a little bit, but they, he goes, because what's his face? Um, Eddie says, what game do you want to play? And he says, nine ball. Because Al goes, it's nine ball, Sam. And that was uh, Magic's game. And he goes, okay, nine ball. And he goes, nine ball's a lucky man's game. He goes, oh, well, or whatever he says. Then they uncover the table and it's already racked for nine ball. <laughs> and I love Grady giving the little shot to Eddie. You know, it's always racked for nine ball. <laughs> it's yeah. Matt's game and stuff. And then he, because um, obviously Eddie's already said it's a lucky man's game. And then he breaks it. And I'm assuming by potting the nine ball straight away off the break, you win. So, yes. Um, yes. I've never played nine ball, so I don't really know the rules, to be honest. But Okay, well, the, the premise is effectively... All the balls are numbered, obviously, one to one to nine. Whoever pots the nine ball wins that frame. But, okay, there you go. but you're not allowed to go straight for the nine ball, obviously. So if you you break and nothing goes down, you have to play the number one ball. Oh, okay. That's, so you're the one to eight, and then you got to pot the two of you. So it's yeah. basically the first to get to the nine ball and pot it if you haven't right. already off the break. Um, it, it, yeah, there's a little bit more to it than that. So, for example, if if you if you break and nothing goes down, the only ball you are allowed to hit is the number one ball. Okay. If you hit anything else, it's a foul. And but if you hit the number one ball into the nine ball and that sinks the nine, you win the game. Oh right! So you, wow. Okay, it's a proper. That's a proper different set of rules to like eight ball or whatever. Then isn't it? Jeez. Man. Yes. So I mean, you, you can. Um, and again, if if you break and the 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 one and the two um, uh, end up going down, you're automatically on the number three, then the number four, and so on. But yeah. if you have an opportunity to um, you know, hit a plant or knock the nine ball in via the white after it's hit the number one, that's the big thing. The, the cue ball has to hit the one ball first. Basically, um, so if I hit the if I hit the cue ball, it hits hits number three, which is the ball we're on. Yeah. But then that knocks a nine ball in. I go could win that way. Yes. Jeez, man. So it is a lucky man's game. Okay. That's why. <laughs> but I love the fact, getting back to the point, I love the fact that he said it's a lucky man's game. The magic wins, obviously. Sam wins off the break. And he goes, lucky shot. And then Sam just turns around and goes, it's a lucky man's game. <laughs> <It's Yeah>. like, <laughs> there you go. I like that. It was a good like interaction. But uh and then we get our montage, Benny. We yeah, get our yeah. real proper 1980s action movie montage of these guys battling it out over the pool table, back and forth, back and forth. Lots of clever shots and Sam playing um, doubles and um, Eddie playing shots where he's jumping the cue ball and putting certain levels of spin on the cue ball to go around um, balls that are blocking his path. Very 1980s action movie uh, montage until yeah. we hit a bit of a snag, don't we? Well, I didn't. I don't, don't. Do you know what? I didn't remember this. I remember oh, okay. Some, I don't know. There was something that happened that stalled the game. But when the power went out for the grid for Sam, it was like, oh, I don't remember this. And then, of course, Al's. I love the fact when Al hits Ziggy. By the way, it makes that noise. I don't know if you can edit that in at some point, maybe in an episode later down the line. But when he hits the 
the the sound of uh, it's almost like Ziggy's screaming when he hits like ow like it's almost like a computer scream. I don't know whether you pick up on that, whether that's just me. No, I get you. I get you. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, essentially, the Pentagon is drawing power from where Al is in the future, in the in the desert, where Pro- Project Quantum Leap is. Um, so Sam's got a stall, basically. So he says, oh, I need to take a break, even though he's on... I think he's on the nine ball to win the, the match as well, or that frame. So he's got to stall, basically. So first he says, like, his eyes. And then, of course, we end up having a whole... The whole thing happened, don't we? While hours away yes. trying to fix the power problem, like putting 50p in the meter or whatever he's got to do. Yeah, they, they effectively uh, have uh, a five minute break. Grady takes Alberta, the key, and Eddie sends his goon to basically make sure that he words it in a way that say magic's playing hot. Maybe this break will um, uh, cool him down a bit, but I would appreciate it if he was made permanently cool. And the goon takes that initially as being he's going to go and hurt magic. But Eddie's like, oh, no, 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 his stick. Yeah, Excalibur so he, refers to, doesn't he? As, yes, that's right. Yes, Prince. Uh, yeah. uh, so King Arthur is nothing without Excalibur, which I thought yeah, was quite yeah. a good little line, yes. Yeah. And then we then have uh, the brush, I think you referred to him as, the, the goon of Eddie's. Yeah, I understand that name, but okay. Yeah. Uh, telling Grady, when Sam is in the toilet, telling Grady, oh, magic wants to see you in the alley. Yeah. And Grady here, as much as I like the guy, he's a bit of a dipstick on this occasion. He's like, oh, really? Oh, okay then. And takes the cue out with him as well, which is the second moment of uh, of daftness. To which point he's greeted by the goon and he grabs the, uh, the cue from Grady. Sam comes out to see what's going on because uh, Grady has been hurt by this guy. The, the brush, the, the Eddie's, um, Eddie's goon, Eddie's back backup breaks the cue over his leg and then sam basically kicks the shit out of him which i thought was quite a cool extra little spot i forgot that that happened yeah he um he snapped it like you said and he um just like uses the stick and beats down the brush yeah <laughs> <laughs> in the brush i'm not gonna lie it's not really the rock is it um no but, um yeah and he leaves um but i also like when i get back into the bar obviously grady's hurt a little bit he's took a few punches to the ribs and stuff um but the big man gets up. He's like, oh, God, bleep. he goes, oh, oh. and um, what's his face? Eddie's like, oh, did you have an accident? Like, so he knows what's kind of happened. Obviously, he yeah. said, do it. He goes, oh, no, but your boy has. And turns around, his, the big guy's there holding his lip with a bit of tissue and blood coming out of his lip, <laughs> out of his mouth. And it's like, yeah, you freaking deserve that, man. Um, yeah. Obviously, um, the big guy, he sees an old man in front of him, not Sam. So, Of course. Of course. Uh, Sam tells Grady to go pick him a cue, and Grady brings him his own cue. And I really like this because of the relationship between Magic and Grady. And Grady's obviously kind of, uh, for want of a better term, almost hero worship of Magic. He adores this <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah, and the fact that he is going to play with Grady's cue makes Grady so happy. But there's also that kind of underlying current of concern because his own cue isn't being used anymore. And I thought this is a very short clip, a very short interaction, but I thought it was really well done by everyone involved. Yeah, and again, it's done... So, the story in this one, apart from, like, maybe the bank stuff we talked about and Al making a comment about seeing magic in the waiting room, generally, the entire the entire episode flows really well. Nothing feels yes. jarring. Um, not really. Obviously, in terms of the bank stuff, we're, like, 
analyzing it and thinking about it like well you wouldn't do that you do it this way and stuff maybe a bit too obviously it's for the story to progress obviously and fill the time but like in the last week's episode with um uh, the uh the murder and everything there were quite a few things in there that were a bit just didn't seem right now well that was sam's behavior or because mm. sam is completely different in this compared to what he was last week thank god yeah but look how much like a leap can change him <laughs> you know that maybe that's well, brain or yes. the obsession or whatever it was last time um so but again as i was saying there's no it flows really well from start to finish there isn't many things that really go what you know or take you out of it or you know in last week's episode it was the flashing of the young girl for some reason which was never really explained is it in Mm. sam's head is it for our benefit i don't i didn't really understand that so um but yeah yeah no totally uh Sam is still trying to stall whilst Eddie in and, and, and a few others in the bar to be fair telling him to play the damn shot and then the lines reappear and Al says I've got two minutes of power Sam plays the shot pots the nine ball and wins that frame it's now sat at 6-6 six, six, so we have a decider Sam breaks and he's clearing up he's doing really well for himself and, and another adage for nine ball as well Benny I suppose that is worth looking at you can you can break and then you can pot the one the two the three the four the five the six the seven the eight you miss on the nine the other guy can come out play one shot and take the frame because yeah. he's potted the nine so there's always that added peril i guess to yeah, nine yeah. ball as well but as sam is clearing up the table we we come down to the nine ball and his he loses position coming from the eight to the nine and the nine ball is against the bottom cushion a few inches in from the pocket itself. But the cue ball finds itself virtually in the pocket behind the lip of the cushion, making a a straight shot well, down the cushion to pot it impossible. Yeah, and yeah. also making quite cleverly, I think, making because of the position of the nine, it's not over the pocket. It's a couple of inches away. It's not a straightforward one cushion double either. He can't go up the table and back down because of where the cue ball is and the nine ball being away from the cushion, away from the pocket a touch. He then has to come off three cushions to get the right angle to hit the right side of the nine to send it into the pocket, which adds so much more difficulty to this shot, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've done it. I imagine so. I just smashed the ball and hope for the best. <laughs> and it has <laughs> happened to me before to, to get the eight in. But yeah, a very, um, very complex shot, to be fair. And people that can do this and look at a table and see that without actually, obviously, in the show, we have actual lines, obviously, for us people that I can play. I'm not very good. But to do stuff like that, I would never be able to do. Not 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 intentionally, as I've said. I've done it flukily, but I've never done it intentionally. Um, <laughs> But the fact that the, the grid comes back up and then he's about to take the shot and the grid goes down and then it's yeah. added so much more pressure to this shot. Um, and again, you know, you can sit there and go, yeah, well, you know, he's going to get it. But we don't know because Quantum Leap doesn't always give us the we might get the happy ending, but we don't necessarily get it the way we think we're going to get it sometimes. So quite there's also the adage as well. Sorry, but there's also the point as well that I've only just thought of. Sam points because he stood there looking and they're saying, oh, play your shot, name your shot and so on. He actually points with his cue at that corner that the nine ball is not over, but closest to. Yeah. And says nine ball corner pocket. Yeah. Yeah. 
because he's then allocated the pocket he is playing for. Yeah. Uh, it's not very likely because it's not the nature of the game when you're playing pool or nine ball or anything like that. But he could have tried to play and just at least get it safe. Yeah. Or, or try and get it into a... I mean, again, in nine ball, it's very difficult because a nine ball table is different to what you and I may be used to with an English pool table. The 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 balls are a little bit bigger. I think the table's slightly longer as well, isn't it? For yeah, and the, the pockets themselves are, are much larger. They're big bucket pockets, effectively. Oh, are they? I didn't know that. Yes, there's quite a, diff- quite a size difference to the pocket. When we play... Uh, uh, English pool with the reds and the yellows and, and, and so on. Yeah. The the pocket for a nine ball is, I would say, a good couple of inches wider. It's oh, quite... Okay. A, when, when you see it, having played the one type of pool or the one format of pool your whole life, when you see a nine ball table, you'll go, bloody hell, look at the size of them pockets. It, yeah, it, yeah. Literally, it hits you straight away. So it is more difficult, I suppose, to get a ball safe or, or to play yeah. a a more reserved shot, but he calls the shot to everyone gasping away. And then we get another bit. Of, I know this is 1990, this ad, but it's very 1980s American action movie, slow-mo and dramatic music and cuts to people's faces as the cue ball is traveling. The table comes off one cushion, the second cushion, the third cushion. And then we get a moment that is again, coming back to something we mentioned earlier, ridiculously cheesy and ridiculously uh, 80s American action movie (laughs) but I still love it the shot of the cue ball actually kissing the side of the nine the nine going along the cushion bouncing off the other cushion into the pocket Al and Sam are both crouched down with their faces next to the pocket and they look at each other and celebrate cheesy as hell ridiculously 80s and cheesy but I bloody loved that loved it I loved it. It was great. <laughs> I've seen the, the film Commando so many times in my life, but I still like the scene where he's getting all the weapons and putting the face paint on it, all that. You know, so it's eighties. It is what it is, but it gets you pumped up for the the, the scenes coming. But yeah, I loved it. It's slow mo. The look on Al's face and Sam's face, which I think makes it into the intro at some yes, point. Yes, that's right. Yep. It's not already there. Um, so yeah, it's a great, um, it's a great. But I'm actually quite glad he didn't finish just because he could have quite easily finished the episode with him winning, and then him leaping out. I'm glad it didn't do that actually. So we got a little bit more, mm. uh, you know, going forward. Yeah, basically the 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 board is potted. There's a bit of a celebration, and Violet, uh, I suppose the only way to word it would be struts over to Eddie, stands there and says, uh, "My marker, please." And it's basically requesting the paperwork that shows that this money is owed and and so on. He was and quite Eddie, reluctant, I think, for me, looking at him, he was very reluctant, but he kind of looked... Well, he doesn't... A she, th- there's quite a long pause, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. She says, she says, my marker, please, and has her hand out. And he just kind of stands there for a long old time. And even when Sam comes around the back of the table and appears in shot behind them, it's not like Sam appears and he gives her the marker. Sam yeah. appears... And he still stands there and does nothing for a while. But he and does stand around the bar, though. He, I don't know if you noticed that. He, with the side eye, he's glancing around the bar as if to say, mm. "How?" Can, I think he's thinking, "Can I get away with not giving it to her?" I don't. But it wouldn't surprise me. It does nothing. Yes. Set, obviously, it's all implied. But I think you're spot on. Yeah, yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, eventually, uh, she she's given the marker. She rips it up and says, "I don't ever want to see your ugly face in my bar again. Get out." 
and he calls her a bitch and he kind of he raises the cue to her doesn't he, he like, does yes I don't know what he's going to whether hit her in the face with it or over her throat I have no idea but luckily Sam dives in and grabs hold of him and then of course he thinks this is an old man in front of him again uh, like his partner did and he just uh, Sam kind of outmuscle doesn't quite outmuscle him to the point but he realises that this old man's actually a lot stronger than he looks and uh, it's uh, the best way I can think of to word it would be it's a real humbling moment for Eddie because he doesn't beat him up he doesn't he doesn't do anything physically to him but Eddie's giving all of his aggression and all of his might into this pool cue as he's pushing against this this what everyone can see as an old man in magic but it's obviously Sam and Sam is holding his own and doesn't force him away force him down or, or attack him but does enough just to push him back so he stops takes the cue off him it looks like he's going to hit him for a moment. There's a there's a there's a section there, a tiny little split second where you think, oh, he's going to nail him here. But he takes the cue apart, carefully puts it together, passes it to him, and in front of everyone, very calmly, just says, "I believe my granddaughter has asked you to leave." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, that is so classy and so that that was just fantastic." It was good. It was really good. I enjoyed that more than he didn't necessarily need to see him get beat up. To be fair, no. Um, which I'm glad we didn't. Um, but yeah, no, it was a cool moment, definitely. And especially when these people think it's an old man and, and it's Sam, like, you know, you know, doing like ninja stuff with a pool cue or whatever he was doing in the alleyway. I'll then- tell you what, thinking about it, the one thing I wish we could have got is that moment, just as they're pushing against each other and Sam leans Eddie back with the cue. If we could have just seen in the background a mirror image of the old man doing that. Oh, that would have been cool. That would have been great. Uh, yeah, that would have been really cool to see. Um, that would have taken quite a lot to set up, I think, um, obviously, because they didn't use... What I like about Quantum Leap is that it's very practical. Not for everything, obviously. Al, you know, you can tell when Al's in front of a blue screen to have a car go through him or whatever, or for yeah. him to walk through a wall. But with the mirror shots, like nowadays, it wouldn't be, it'd all be computer and it'd be, you know, it'd be fine. But like na- then, it was about camera angles and... You know, Sam stands there, but they angle the camera and the mirror a certain way. So it looks like Sam's stood in front of the mirror, but actually the mirror's facing. It's very clever and it must take it must take a while to set up. I mean, even I mentioned it at the time, but the Color of Truth episode, I believe they actually built essentially a big room with essentially two diners on each side to do the mirror images correctly. Mm. So they could, the, the, but then they'd have to do a certain shot and have to move those actors from the left side to the right side to then do that shot. So it would have taken a long time just to do mirror shots. Is what I'm getting at. But I love the fact it, that it's practical like that. It comes back to your point earlier on with regards to the uh, the laser lines or the, the sights, whatever you want to refer to them as, being put on by the computer and Alan Ziggy and, and so on, and it aging very well with regards to practical effects and yeah, special effects. Definitely. With regards to an, another show that I do for uh, the SJP World Media Network, uh, Dan Griffin, uh, our good friend, and I cover Doctor Who. And what we've noticed, we're just going into our fourth season of that show, uh, looking at classic Who, new Who, and uh, the, the whole ethos of the, pr- the program is we do like 14, 15 episodes a season. And one season for our show, we'll have one show per Doctor. So we get one from Hartnell, one from Tom Baker, one from David, so whatever. So we're jumping around in, in, in the decades. What we've noticed with Doctor Who, it goes back 60 years this year. The practical effects, regardless of how old they are, have aged much better 
than the special computer-generated effects. So there are special effects in New Who, so like in Eccleston's run or Tenant's run in 2005, 6, 2007. There are computer-generated special effects that now, in 2023, look worse than some of the more practical effects we had in the 70s. Just because of how fast technology advances. I was about to say, yeah, because if you look at video games from the early 2000s up until like sort of, I don't know. Well, actually, do you know what? It's, let's, let's say from 98 to 2005 mm-hmm. because of, you know, yes, 3D graphics came out. Oh, they look amazing, look amazing. But because the, the technology moved so quickly, stuff like 2D games like a Mario or a Sonic look, still look better, even though they were made in the 80s because of the, the progression of technologies we've already said. And it works the same with films, I think, as well. So, yes, they have this new special effect that they can do. But because effects are so much better now, because the technology improved, sometimes there is that thing where you look at it and go, yeah, the practical is so much better than, like you said, than uh, the computer graphics. Some of the monsters in Doctor Who in the early, well, mid what? So 2005, I think it started again. Yes, uh, that's right. So, you know, it, yeah, some of the monsters look computer-generated ones look really cheesy, whereas the practical ones, because they're practical effects, age better nine times out of ten. So Yeah, yeah, spot on. And that's a, a, another excuse there for a little cheap plug via the SJP <laughs> World Media Network. Go and check out the Doctor Who pod. That's at the D-R-W-H-O-P-O-D, the at the Doctor Who pod on Twitter as well. But there we go. Uh, I, I might be making an appearance on there one day, I understand. Oh, that. Another, another, another well, there we go. Yeah, there we go. It, it, it is lined up already. Um, <laughs> the the leap effectively ends there. We have we have Sam and Violet sharing a hug, and Sam leaps out. Before we like give, fact, I didn't like the fact that he was about to say something and he leaped out. It would have been nice for him to finish his sentence. I know it's not the end of the world, but he was he was gone, and that's why, and he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> ah, see, that didn't bother me because it goes to show that yeah, he's not me. in control. I just, I, just, I just wish that he could have finished his sentence, that's all. Um, yeah, fair enough. And it'd be nice yeah. if he could stick around for a day to revel in his victory every once in a while as well, which he does get, I think, in the Stuntman one. He's there for a couple of days after the fact, isn't he? But oh, yes, yes. He doesn't get many moments where he gets to stick around for a day or two to revel in his victory very often. It does happen. I'm not saying it doesn't, but it, it, it's very rare, I feel. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, Sam then leaps, and we next see him. Uh, I'm assuming on Night TV when you watched it, Benny, you had the same, uh, I suppose, trailer or preview I did. Sam leaps into what looks like a gymnast on, on a trapeze, swinging back and forth, and a girl is jumping across for him to catch. And that's when we get the old boy and the end of the trailer. Yeah. So. It's really weird, by the way. This has nothing to do with Quantum Leap, but I recently, literally in the last couple of days, watched Batman Forever for the first time in ages. And Cole says a lot of trapeze stuff going on in there. And then all of a sudden, I see this link into the next oh, okay. episode of Quantum Leap. Oh, interesting. Uh, so, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah. Um, cool. What we're going to be looking at next week. Before we do, let's have uh, a mark out of five and a brief summary uh, of what you thought of this episode, Benny. I liked it. It was uh, entertaining. Like I said, it was very smoothly. The song didn't feel out of place, as we've already, already mentioned. I liked the character Grady. Um, just like that guy straight away. Um, Sam was less less of a douche in this one. For some, like, I don't understand what was going on in that last episode. I really don't. Um, this is the Sam Beckett I remember, rather than, yeah, right, a bit silly going to the bank for the loan, but you know we discussed that at length. So 
we'll move on. Um, but overall, I think it flowed really well. The story was really good. Al was brilliant in it, to be fair. It was, there's no lechiness at all <laughs> as well, which helped. Um, in terms of score, um, oh, do you know what? As much as I like it, I don't think it's a five out of five. I don't think it's that. It is a really good episode, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm... <sighs> Do you know what? I'm going to give it a solid four, I think. I don't think it's a five, It's but it is a bloody good episode, to be Tell honest. You what? Same as last week, I've got exactly the same. I've got four out of five. It's very, very good. It's not perfect, but it's very good. I would happily go and watch this again. Yeah, definitely. You do. I suppose we, we mention on the show quite often that you and I are both wrestling fans as well, and to enjoy professional wrestling in all its daftness, you have to have a certain <laughs> suspension of disbelief with of certain course, things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I believe this episode here of Quantum Leap, you need an element of that kind of suspension of disbelief with yeah. this to ignore certain things, like like the, going to the bank and, and other moments as well. They add to the story if you can ignore the silliness of the potential situation. So you need to be able to just let yourself go, not overthink it, and let the story take you where it needs to go. Uh, Grady's a great character. Um, Violet's a great character. Eddie's a great bad bad guy. Yeah, um, Al's great in this episode as well. It, it's just a really enjoyable, enjoyable episode of Quantum Leap and, and, a, and a really good, enjoyable story. So yeah, four out of five for me as well, my friend. None of the characters like sometimes when you watch shows, not just Quantum Leap but other shows, and they play a certain character, and you may not have seen this actor before, but you see them play this character, and you think it just doesn't feel right. Whereas mm. none of these characters in this that we saw that were interacted with that spoke and had dialogue, everyone had their place. Everyone had their like the things they needed, and it just every like I said already, it flowed from start to finish. Yeah. yeah. All right. I picked up on the fact that Al mentioned when he saw magic in the waiting room, but that's me being more of a nerd on the show and knowing that that's not how it works going down the line. Um. So, but yeah, not a perfect episode, but almost. Yeah. Definitely. Fair enough. Next week, then, we are on episode 19 of Quantum Leap's second season, uh, entitled Leaping In Without a Net. We have seen a little bit of a trailer, and as we always do, Benny, we try and hark back with uh, your stronger memory than my own and have a little think about how uh, have we seen this recently, how many times have we seen this, what can we remember about the story without trying to give away too many spoilers. Is there anything that... For, you know, pardon the pun. Is there anything that leaps to mind here? <laughs> no, you've got to have a pun. Um, I'm not going to lie. This is not probably, I don't think we mentioned it on the list of ones we wanted to see. I don't think this is one that's made my list very often at all. I know I've seen it because I recognize the, um, obviously just the situation that we see in the trailer, like like the little spoiler, like the, not spoiler, the little tease we get at the end of the episode. Um, I think he's got a prevented death and i think it might be the stunt woman he's with but i can't remember if it's it's if it's it's if it's his jesus <laughs> um, girlfriend or sister or something i can't really remember but in terms of the rest of the story i have no idea what the characters are like i don't even know who sam's meant to be um i guarantee you as soon as i put it on and start watching it it more a bit like paul hall blues i might remember a lot more as i'm watching it to be honest mm-hmm. so this is I'm not going fully blind, but I I am struggling to even the next episode after this. I'm struggling to remember what's gone on, you know. Okay, interesting. See, for me, I think we're coming into the era of Quantum Leap now, 
with Paul Hall Blues and, a, and and this one and a few others that are coming up, that I have seen a f- couple more times than the earlier episodes, and I have maybe a bit more of a, a recollection of them, whether it's right or wrong. For example, last See, week's last episode, two, the last two episodes. Sorry, so I I do remember them and do remember the gist of them. Whereas these next two, I'm struggling with. So okay. Well, sometimes my memory is misleading. I mean, you know, last week's episode, I remembered very fondly. I watched it back. And whereas the story was good, there was so much of it I hated. Which I didn't recall. This episode I remember as being good and I remember it quite fondly. And I think I'm fairly accurate in how I remembered it, watching it back now. The episode coming up, I think this is one of those that if it came on the telly, I would just turn over from. It's not one that stands out to me as being brilliant, but I don't remember it being shite. No, nor me. No. And I remember, and and what I do recall is pretty much what you said. the The lady who is doing the acrobatics, the trapeze act, with him, I believe it's his sister, because it's a family, uh, a family event, a family business. This trapeze act, and I I think she falls to her death in the original history, and Sam has to stop that happening. But we also find out Sam is like crazy scared of heights. Oh, That's okay. kind of all I can really remember. Well, either way, mate, we are in the last, we are nearly into the last four episodes of this season and season two is almost done. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There we go then. So, Benny, before we leap out, do you let everybody know whereabouts they can find your good self online, all the things you're involved in and all the brilliant shows you uh, talk upon yourself uh, well i'm on sjp raw media obviously within the corner which we discussed a little bit um um i do some stuff on twitch I'm, I'm building up to that at the moment i'm building some stuff just for a bit of fun just some fantasy wrestling stuff we're doing with the new wwe game um which i think i bored side with the other day no not at all mate i mean i i, I uh, gaming <laughs> ga- gaming's not necessarily my thing but in the same way i hear it from my youngest daughter and my eldest son it may not be my thing but I love how passionate it makes people. So don't think you're boring me at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, No, either way, something we kind of did before, but it's just me this time, and we might introduce somebody else because it's just timing. When when you do stuff by yourself, you you know you're in control of your time a bit better, I guess. Then something might come out with somebody else is what I'm trying to get at. But yeah, uh, Twitch.tv forward slash Benny Mac Gaming B E Triple N Y M A C K. Also Twitter at Benny Mac B E Triple N Y M A C K. Um, I didn't mention it last week, but I'm so I'm allowed to apparently according to Sai. because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not on the SJP War Media at the moment. But um, I finally launched Paranormal Junkie. I did mention on this show before. Um, did really well actually the first episode. I'm really surprised by it. I'm really I enjoyed everybody's comments and people have seemed to have liked it as well, which is really good. I had a guest on and did some paranormal stuff, basically talking some of his his experiences. But the show is basically going to be about. It's almost like a documentary style at the moment, but it obviously well, we'll be doing interviews and stuff going forward. So it's a paranormal show, basically. I've something I've been wanting to do for probably since I was in my like early twenties. Um, been talking to Sai about it for the last two years, and it's finally actually got the first episode out. It's monthly shows, but it's Paranormal Junkie with Benny Max. Give it a look on Apple, Spotify. Um, if that is something you're interested in, I treat the subject with respect. I have guests I've had to guest on, obviously, and I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm open to uh, these things. I think there is more to this world than we realize. Um, but 
whether it's all true, I don't know. But this is kind of me diving into this world of paranormal and speaking to people that are more knowledgeable than myself on the subject and learning as I go, basically. So um, mm. I don't know if I've sold it right, but hopefully yeah, Paranormal Junkie with Benny Mac is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and it's on pretty much wherever you get. I think it's on Google now. I did apply for it to be on Amazon as well. But but yeah, you should be able to find it is what I'm getting at. Yes, indeed. Uh, I've listened to episode one and I bloody loved it. It was fantastic, Benny. So what I will do, um, whereas normally on these episodes of The Waiting Room via the, the SJP World Media Network, we have our personal Twitter accounts and the show's Twitter account underneath asking people to follow us and so on. I will also put a link to or, or the, the tag, the name, however you want to call it, yeah. to the Paranormal Junkie Twitter account as well. So people can uh, find the show via that and the links that you then share of the show as well. I strongly recommend people go and listen to it. I, I thought it was absolutely fantastic, my friend. And I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass because if there was an issue with it, you know how we operate. Yeah, okay. I, I, I'm very honest. So I thought it was absolutely fantastic. So but the Twitter's well worth listening. Para, the, sorry, the, the Twitter's at Parajunkie UK on Twitter. So yes. it, it is there. Um, it has been there for a couple of years. I actually joined a couple of years ago in, in preparation of this show. It was just trying to get it done, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And so I saw I probably made about four logos for this show. <laughs> You did. You did indeed. The one you've gone with is the best. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. 100% on that one. <laughs> uh, anything I am involved in, you can find via the network that carries this show. And it has been mentioned quite a lot on this week's episode of The Waiting Room. That's SJP World Media on all your podcast players, platforms, and providers, and on Twitter and Facebook at SJP World Media. Uh, but the show itself. The Waiting Room, a Quantum Leap podcast. You can find on Twitter, Facebook, and all those places at Waiting Room Pod underscore. But you can also find it again on all your podcast players, platforms, and providers by searching The Waiting Room, a Quantum Leap podcast. Via SJP World Media Network, you also get the Doctor Who pod. You get Benny Mac doing in the corner looking at modern day WWE. You get various wrestling shows, nostalgia shows like music, television, all sorts of great stuff. So check it out. I like to think there is something on that network that may be of, of interest to everybody. Even if everything doesn't interest everybody, there's going to be something for everyone at some stage, I think. But there we go. At waiting room pod underscore. Benny, I've had a blast, my friend. I'm intrigued to see if we remember this episode correctly next week. Uh, and I will very much look forward to sitting down and speaking to you again in seven days time. Always good to talk to you, Si. Hope everybody's enjoyed the show and we are leaping out. 